When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> this is my twin brother. He's a horse with wings. <laughs> and I am a boar. <laughs> yes. good. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Newest Olympian. My name is Mike Schuber. I'm the titular Newest Olympian. I'm a 31-year-old man who never read the Percy Jackson books as a kid, but I did read the main series as an adult, and I am progressing towards moving into the sequel series. But before I can open a single page of The Heroes of Olympus, I need to fully grasp all the mythology that we just consumed in The Last Olympian. So in order to do that, we are going to bring in and have a wonderful discussion with our official Greek mythological chorus correspondent, someone who you may know from their incredible book, The Milky Way, or from their incredible work telling government officials, hey, don't let AI destroy the world. It's Dr. <laughs> Moya McTeer. <laughs> Moya, how's it going? <laughs> Hello, Mike. Thanks so much for having me back. It's been a while because mm-hmm. I've been I've been busy. Yes. And it's been very fun telling governments in the U.S. and in the U.K. not to let AI steal artists' work and their jobs. And I also get to meet cool people doing that. So it's a fun gig. But so is being the official TNO mythology correspondent. That's a very fun job title. We love having you here. Yes, last time you were unable to come through because of scheduling. Read from overly sarcastic productions filled in valiantly. (laughs) But we're happy to have Dr. Moya for the Dr. Moya episode. And we've got a lot of stuff to discuss. There are many, many things that took place in book five that I wondered aloud what is going on. So I think let's get right into them. Actually, before we get into it, though, have I asked you all of the returning guest questions? Have I asked you your what your nectar and ambrosia would taste like? No. Okay. So, yeah, we've, we've been adding fun questions where I believe the first one is just, how'd you hear about the books? The second one is like, what cabin would you be in? Okay. I think we've check both of those boxes. Yes. But then number three that I ask folks is what would your nectar and ambrosia taste like? So what would your ideal food and your ideal drink taste like if you were at Camp Half-Blood? Oh my God, yeah. Uh, so to recap, I read them for the first time in seventh grade. I would be in the Athena cabin mm-hmm. and my nectar would taste like a root beer float. That is mostly root beer and some float. Okay. Melted sure. so that it's all creamy. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my ambrosia, can I think about that and get back to you at the yes, end of the episode? Yes, of course. Okay. Yes. Yeah, we, we can marinate on that. Thank you. Oh, it might be a marinated thing. We'll see. <gasps> uh, we'll see. We'll no, see. No, 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 re- no, no. I have it. I have it. Okay. Perfect. What a quick marination process. It's like me when I forget <laughs> to marinate something and then I need to cook it anyway. I'm like, yeah, it's been in olive oil for five minutes. Yeah, Let's you do. Throw just it on. zap it. You do a quick one. Uh, it was actually because you said marinate that I thought of this. But <sighs> nice. my cousin Myra makes the best barbecue ribs. Okay. The amazing. best in the world. And that's what it would be. I think you two should start a cooking show 
where you could do Moya and Myra and <laughs> you go like the alchemy angle of it, like the science of cooking. And then mm-hmm. she's like, here's how you make the ribs. Yeah. Now that the nerd stuff is out of the way. <laughs> that is exactly ribs. how she would put it, too. She'd be like, Moya and her nerd sh- they're done. <laughs> what I will say, though, nerd stuff for marinating, that is a good tip that I learned that everyone should learn. If you do want to put citrus in a marinade for something that's going on the grill, like mm. if you're doing grilled chicken breasts or anything like that, use the zest of a lemon instead of the juice of a lemon because the juice of a lemon is more acidic. So mm-hmm. when it burns, it gets more of a bitter taste. So if you want like a lemon chicken breast or something, I'm using that as an example because that's what I do. The zest is better because then you get all the flavor, but it's not as bitter. And then it's also just easier to like zest up a lemon and stuff. So true. Then bing, juicing bang, it. Boom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And pineapple juice, another citrus, really great at tenderizing meat. So it would oh. be a great in a quick marinade if you wanted to break down some of those proteins oh. and you don't have overnight to do it. Amazing. And then it's tropical. Wow. Okay. So this has been Food Corner with <laughs> Moya and Mike. Now let's get into Mythology Corner with Moya featuring Mike. So <laughs> there are many things that I had asked you about ahead of time. The first of which, we have a fun character show up and she's got a real fun name. Her name is, is it Amphitrite or is it Amphitrite? I would say Amphitrite because typically in ah, Greek you pronounce all of the letters got in it. their like long forms. Cool. Good to know I butchered it on the episode. So what's what's her deal? She was very angry in The Last Olympian, understandably yeah. so, because she's dealing with a child that was not born of her but with her husband. So mm-hmm. what's her whole deal? You see, it's interesting that you brought up that point because she was angry, but I think that has to do more with the situation around it. Ah, in okay. mythology, Amphitrite does have a record of being nice to Poseidon's less legitimate children. <laughs> <laughs> so Amphitrite herself is the daughter of Nereus, who's an ancient god of the sea, like one of the more primordial ones who may have been worshipped in the area before the Greek pantheon became popular in the okay. Hellenistic period. Is that who predated the Nereids? The... He is the father of the Nereids. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, cool. and so Amphitrite is one of the Nereids. There are um, either 50 of them or 100 of them. These are the daughters of Nereus, and they represent the rivers and the seas. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, so Amphitrite's uh, father is Nereus. Her mother is Doris, who's the daughter of an ancient ocean god, Oceanus, who's uh-huh. in this book as yes. the person attacking at the moment that she's meeting Percy. So right, like that's her right. grandfather in mythology. Uh, and there's a oh. weird tension there, which I think is adding to her curtness, I'll say. Okay. In mythology, Poseidon became enamored with Amphitrite. He saw her one day. There's not a lot of detail in this myth, but he decided he must have her for his bride. She did not feel the same way. No. Yeah. um, Poseidon doesn't have a great track record with this in mythology, but Uncle Rick decided to make him nicer in the book. So I love that for him. Uh, She ran away to the ends of the earth and hid in the rivers around Atlas, hoping that Atlas would be able to protect her from any sort of pursuer. Poseidon Mm -hmm. sent his best people out to look for her, and it was Delphin, who's like the god of dolphins. Right. I was upset at that name choice. (laughs) I know. Just so close. It's just so close. (laughs) I know. And so Delphin finally finds her, persuades her to come back. Like, you're going to be the queen of all of the seas and you'll have all of these riches. And so she's like, fine. And she goes back with him. Poseidon 
rewards Delphin by turning him into the Delphinus constellation. So there's oh. that tie between mythology and astronomy that I love. Your vibe. Very much so. Together, Amphitrite and Poseidon had a few children, including Triton. Like the names are Amphitrite, Triton. Mm-hmm. And she was said to be kind to Theseus specifically in mythology. Theseus was, according to some myths, one of Poseidon's children. She gave him a golden crown to prove that he was related to Poseidon. So I don't think that she would be mean to Percy okay. just because, yeah, she's not his mom. Yes. Okay, good. I, this is why we do the episodes. Now I don't have to be upset at her. It's understandable. She was treated poorly and had a rough situation. Mm-hmm. Good. Good, 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 good. Well, not good that, good, good that I understand, but not good that that happened to her, of course. Okay. The next person we have on the list is someone that was mentioned very, very briefly, basically in passing. When Percy is going through the big house, he is seeing some of the old trophies from past quests that are in the attic. And one of the things he sees is a pair of fuzzy dice that were stolen from Chrysauer's Honda Civic by Gus, a son of Hermes. (laughs) I was wondering why the car wasn't a Chrysler, but what's up with uh, this guy? That does seem like a missed opportunity. Chrysor, I think that that's also how I'd say it, is mm-hmm. a very little mentioned figure in Greek mythology. He is the son of Medusa by Poseidon, another one of Poseidon's less nice adventures in mythology. In that union, Medusa bore twins, the Pegasus mm. and Chrysor. Oh. And it was when Perseus cut off Medusa's head that both of these figures erupted from her neck, I guess. Yeah. And Pegasus is in the story. And so I think Uncle Rick just wanted to bring Pegasus's twin, Chrysor, into mm. the story. And there's okay. differing opinions about what Chrysor actually looked like. Some people would describe him as a man with a golden sword or a part boar creature with golden tusks because the name means golden blade. Okay. How are you the twin of a Pegasus if you are a man or a boar person? They're fraternal twins. Okay. Yeah. Just super (laughs) duper hyper fraternal. (laughs) Fraternal twins. This is my twin brother. He's a horse with wings. (laughs) Uh And I am a boar. Yes. And we came out of a woman with snakes for hair. (laughs) Oh, man. Imagine taking biology in in ancient Greece. Mm, that would be the Punnett squares. The, oh, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad you pulled Punnett square out of the deep recesses of your mind. Well done. It was mainly I took biology my freshman year of high school, and I really don't like memorization stuff. So like certain things just really stuck with me. Yeah. And I also remember that I had to do, because Punnett squares, that's the like dominant recessive trait thing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I'm not a biologist, but I think Uh-oh. so. I think it is. But I remember we had to do a project like pretty early on into my freshman year where you had to like find, I went to an all boys school. So you had to like find a girl and then do a Punnett square, like, what if you had children? And That's very Texas. It's uh, incredibly. And you had to do all the things with, like, oh, I have green eyes, you have blue eyes, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, like, I had moved to Texas from New Jersey that summer. So the number of girls I knew was incredibly limited. Very, very small. And I was not dating anyone at the time. So I just had to, like, message up my friend Sarah, who I had maybe hung out with twice Mm -hmm. and i was like hello sarah i have a homework assignment it's about what if we had children uh do you mind me asking you if your eyes are far away or narrow (laughs) and 
your earlobes are attached or detached. <laughs> Can you do the clover thing with your tongue or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, yeah, that's a, I can't even remember Sarah's last name. I can, but like, that's one of those things where, like, at the time, it was just like, yeah, this is high school. And like, mm-hmm. now it'd like, be like, I am so sorry. That was the weirdest <laughs> thing I could have done ever. Yeah. But I also knew maybe four girls. <laughs> so I apologize. High school is meant to be cringe. <laughs> just four years of cringe. <laughs> I'm also not realizing in retrospect, I had so many friends from New Jersey that I could have called up. Like, it did not have to be someone in Texas. <laughs> What was I doing? It's okay. It's okay. You didn't have the wisdom yet. (laughs) No, I was 14. Okay, let's move on. And the next person that we have, again, also just kind of mentioned in passing when we're getting to the Empire State Building, Mm. they say that there are some defenses put up. And one of the people helping with that is Aeolus, who is King of the Winds. And I would love to learn more about the King of the Winds. Yeah, Aeolus is an interesting figure because he could have been a real mortal king, perhaps of Thessaly, who was deified. In some stories, Zeus just liked this mortal man enough that he turned him into a kind of godly figure. Or at least gave him power over all of the winds. Okay. (laughs) In my mind, I like to think that there was like a poker game gone wrong. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's my headcanon. I love it. But Aeolus gets control over all the winds and he gets dominion over this island, this like floating chain of islands called Aeolia. And he lives with his wife and his six sons and his six daughters, all of whom are married to each other. Mm, the old Titan routine. <laughs> yep. Gotta love it. it. He's featured in some popular stories. He's the person who gives Odysseus a bag of winds that then get opened oh, right when he's about to get home. Yeah. He was begged by Hera to give favorable winds to Jason and the Argonauts when they were going on their quest. But he's not the only wind deity. You may have heard of uh, like the named directional winds. Zephyr, I remember asking you about in a previous one because I was like, what a cool name. A very cool name. Uh, the West Wind, I believe. You are so right. You've all oh, you've mm-hmm. learned. Uh, so Zephyr is the West knowledge. Wind. <laughs> Boreas is the North Wind. That's going to come handy later. Okay. There's Notos, the South Wind, and Euros, the East Wind. And together they are the Animoi. And they answer to Aeolus, but it's, it's like in Greece, which is a, a seafaring, mountaineering Mediterranean people, like there's a lot of reason to pay a lot of attention to wind. So they have a lot of wind deities. Cool. Fun. Look yeah. at that. Yeah. Wind stuff. <laughs> I, I really do enjoy the fact that if you just have really good vibes with Zeus, he can just like upgrade your status. Yeah. Pretty sweet. Yeah. It's it's. um I guess reason for brown nosing. That's a, a lot of a lot of them did that. <laughs> oh man, yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. I would want to just be like my vibes were so good, and he liked me so much that he upgraded me, as opposed well, to me trying to network. That's what he did with Ganymede, but the vibes were sexual. Mm, that. Yeah, tracks. All right, let's talk about the next person. Now, this one is a little different. This is the Greek mythology episode, but this is someone who's mentioned as a character, a Roman goddess. It was a statue, the one near the Plaza Hotel, Pompona, who's the Roman goddess of plenty. She's Mm. upset that Percy confuses her with Demeter. Is this just one of those things where it's just like the name flip, like a Neptune and Poseidon thing, or is she a completely different person? She's a completely different person. Oh. Yeah, uh, you're right. Rome did just deal a lot of (laughs) stuff from Greece, but that's okay because Greece stole a lot of stuff from Babylon. So it's fine. And the Roman equivalent of Demeter was Ceres. That's where we get the word cereal. Oh, 
cool, yeah. Oh, and then Demeter is all big on the cereal and the book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Pomona, a totally different person. She has more to do with the growing of fruits than the harvesting of them. So she's very associated with like apple orchards and she's married to the god of seasons and they have a, a fun festival every August. Amazing. Yeah. Love that. But a totally different pantheon. I don't like that she was included in this book. Hot take. Oh, you don't like that she was mentioned at all? You just don't want any sort of Roman folks touched upon? Yeah, I think that would be my preference. Maybe some, if it were a Roman deity who was a Greek deity with a mask on, like sure. Uh, But mm -hmm. I don't like him taking something who is just a Roman figure. I think the only sort of defense you can give is that... Rick decided that the hotel would be the Plaza Hotel, and that is the statue that's out there. So I guess you'd have to blame New York. (laughs) But you also don't have to write about it. But I do know, and I am very limited on my Heroes of Olympus knowledge, but I do know Rome stuff gets in the mix. So maybe he was just trying to tease little things. Mm -hmm. And there was one other time where it came up and it was a little more confusing. I believe in Battle of the Labyrinth, when they get into the maze, they kind of talk about some of the Roman gods, or at least some of the, maybe not even Roman, because it was like Helios for the oh, sun. Oh, yeah, Helios that, is old Greek. Old Greek, Like the yeah. titan of the sun before Apollo. Right, yeah. right, yes. So maybe, I don't know. But I know the Roman stuff is supposed to get into the mix in the sequel series, and we'll just have to see right. how that all happens. But spoiler-free boy <laughs> over here. So... The next person is someone who is featured more prominently, and this is Prometheus, who Percy, (laughs) I just love that Percy calls him the fire stealer guy, the chain to the rock with the vultures guy, which is basically what my brain did. It was that, and then I was like, and then that Michael Fassbender film, right, Uh, that I didn't actually see. There was a Michael Fassbender film? It's not actually about Prometheus. Oh, that's disappointing. I'm I'm so sorry to have (laughs) broken your dreams here. It is a 22. 12 film in the Alien franchise. It is directed by Ridley Scott. Don't know if it's a prequel or a sequel. The film centers on the crew of the spaceship Prometheus as it follows a star map discovered among the artifacts of several ancient Earth cultures seeking the origins of humanity. The crew arrives on a distant world and discovers a threat that could cause the extinction of the human species. Mm. So mm-hmm. I want to say it's like an alien prequel, but I don't know. I've never seen any of the alien movies. Me neither. I probably should. I've heard they're really good. Yeah. I need to. Yeah. yeah. That's on my list of a thing that I like to do on airplanes is watch movies I should have already seen by now. Smart. That's my big go-to. And on the recent flight that I took coming home from Paris, I watched I, Tanya, which slapped. It did. It was really good. Mm-hmm. That's Margot Robbie, right? Yeah. Yeah, she, she crushed really it. Good. Really solid. And then I also watched In Bruges, which uh, was good as well. All right. Yeah, planes yeah. Are, are good for that. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also watched Train to Busan, which was so good. Man, Train to Busan. It's a Is it a thriller? Is it a Yeah, Korean zombie movie. And hmm. it's fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Really, really good. Those are my three. I should have seen these movie by now. Movies that I watched on my flights. <laughs> Thank you for that list. Anyway, Prometheus. (laughs) Yeah, we love to invoke Prometheus. We love to name ships after him that are exploring. We love anything that is like disrupting an industry. We love to associate it with Prometheus because he is the fire stealer guy, but he is so much more. He's a titan. He was the titan of forethought and crafty counsel. And he's seen as one of the trickster figures in Greek mythology, not because of the tricks he plays on us, but because of the tricks he plays on Zeus. Mm-hmm. on our behalf. Okie dokie. Yeah. So because he was the titan of forethought, he 
could see ahead the outcome of the war between the Titans and the Olympians, and he did not side with the Titans. Oh, right. Yeah. And that gets referenced in The Last Olympian. Yeah. So he wasn't thrown into Tartarus and instead was given the task of crafting man out of clay. Okay, I knew he did this. I didn't know it was a task. I thought it was just like he was bored. I don't think it's that explicit. (laughs) Okay. There's negative space and we can add stuff to the Mm -hmm. myths as we see fit. But Prometheus and his brother Epimetheus were the two who crafted all of the animals and men on Earth. Then he really liked us and he kept trying to do things for us. So I guess one of the reasons that he was allowed to create humans was because humans would give sacrifice to the gods, especially Zeus. And Prometheus convinced Zeus to only take part of the animal in sacrifice instead of the whole thing. Uh So then there was this whole decision, a debate about which parts of the animal the gods should get. And Prometheus, very tricksy, he hid the bones of the animal in a bunch of glistening fat that looked very appealing. And he hid the meat underneath a bunch of fur that he knew the gods wouldn't be interested in. So Zeus chose the bones and the fat, and then the humans were left with the meat and the fur, which is what we needed to survive. Correct. And then later on, assumingly, like, after we stopped needing our appendices and uh, (laughs) we needed to cook our meat, (laughs) Prometheus brought down fire. He uh, brought it from Olympus. He hid it in, like, a little reed so that Zeus wouldn't see it. But he did all of these things for us. And then Zeus punished him with the eagle picking out his liver every single day. But he that wasn't a permanent punishment. In some myths, it's supposed to only last 30,000 years. Oh, so a short little short, thing. It's, yeah, yeah, it's a blip. Not, not a big deal. They're immortal. Mm-hmm. That's like nothing. Humanity, civilization isn't even 30,000 years old <laughs> yet, though. So uh, it supposedly ended when... Heracles shot the eagle with an arrow. That's also embedded in some of our constellations. Prometheus is a really important figure. Uh huh. Now, one thing you just mentioned, the appendix. Is that just around so that we could eat raw meat? Is that why we don't need them? I think so. I, I remember hearing a factoid like that long ago. I'm going to Google. I just it's one of those things where I'm like, right, we have them in our body and we don't necessarily need them because they get removed and then people are fine. Yeah, exactly. They're vestigial. We don't need them. But I think we're not totally sure what they were for. And that is one of the hypotheses. According to newsmedical.net, some studies suggest that as ancient humans were predominantly herbivorous, Mm -hmm. they used their appendixes for digestion. However, as humans evolved, they started to include more easily digestible food in their diet, and the appendix eventually lost its function. Oh, nothing to do with meat. Great. What does the appendix do? (laughs) Why do we have an appendix, according to hawaiipacifichealth.org? Why do we have an appendix? The entire digestive tract helps with our immune system, but some scientists and doctors think the appendix may be a place for our body to store certain healthy types of gut bacteria that otherwise could be altered or changed during an intestinal illness or with overuse of antibiotics. So at this point, it's just like a oopsie if something went really bad. Okay, it's just an emergency thing. (laughs) Emergency thing. Okay. Thanks, Appendix. Thank you, wherever you are. Things you didn't expect to Google (laughs) this morning. (laughs) On the Percy Jackson podcast. (laughs) Now, you briefly also mentioned Epimetheus creating the animals and stuff. Is that just kind of his deal? Is there other stuff along with him? 
Yeah. Uh, so if Prometheus is forethought, then Epimetheus is afterthought and excuses. Uh, Prometheus uh-huh, and, and Epimetheus. Yeah. And so they were making the animals and humans out of clay, and Epimetheus just stole all of the good stuff for the animals because he wasn't <laughs> thinking ahead. So he gave like all the tails and the scales and the fangs and the wings away, and then man was left with nothing, which is why Prometheus felt the need to do all of this stuff on our behalf. Um <laughs> <laughs> Epimetheus is also kind of relevant to the story of Pandora. They were married. Pandora was given as a gift to Epimetheus, a gift that Prometheus warned him not to accept. Mm. And then he did it anyway because he he has no forethought. He's all impulse. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, let's. that was the next on the list is Pandora, especially the whole thing of box versus jar versus pithos that came up in the book, which I thought was a very funny technicality discussion. Yeah, that's a translation thing. Pithos was the ancient Greek word, and a pithos is a ceramic jar that would hold oil or wine or other things. And it was translated to box by Erasmus in the 15th century, and that translation has held for us. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. That's why we're familiar with it as Pandora's box, but any of them are acceptable. And Pandora herself was sometimes said to be the first woman. Uh, so when I said earlier that Prometheus crafted man out of clay, it was mm. maybe just man. Although I don't like that interpretation of the myth. Nah, yeah. I don't like it either. Yeah. Uh, so after Prometheus stole fire, Zeus decided to punish man. And according to Hesiod, uh, he sent an evil thing in which they may all be glad of heart while they embrace their own destruction Mm. so evil yeah so petty (laughs) and so he tells Hephaestus to make a woman out of clay and then all of the other Olympians add their own little gifts to it like the ability to do needlework or a deceitful nature and so she's called Pandora because all of the gods have given gifts Pan all Dora gifts Ah, cool. And Zeus's gift to Pandora, I assume, is this pithos that holds a bunch of evil spirits that embody ill things, sickness, aging, hatred, but Also included in the pithos is the spirit of hope. And so Pandora, she goes down and part of her deceitful nature is that she can't help but open this jar and then all of the evil things get out. But hope stays in. And it's always bothered me that like, okay, so it's bad that the bad things got out, but we don't want to let the good thing out to counter them. Right. Why do we have to keep hope in the box? I don't know. Why is the box now representative of what the earth has? So... Yeah, it's just a confusing myth to me. Was Pandora, when you're saying like the evil gift, is she the evil gift or is it just the box the evil gift? She is the evil gift carrying an even eviler gift. Okay, then I really don't like the interpretation that all Prometheus made was man because then the implication is that, well, well, women are evil. The first woman was evil. Exactly. (laughs) But like it's very possible that this is a modern twisting of earlier myths. Okay. It does feel very Christian in the whole, like, woman was born of man's rib thing to me. Right. Which is not the vibe I get from a lot of other Greek myths. Okay. 
on a completely different vibe. What's up with the Hyperboreans, our big frozen giants? Yeah. Um, so before I said Boreas, god of the north wind. Ah, so the Hyperboreans. They're, they're super cold. They're super north, yes, which to okay. the, the Greeks was where the cold people were. <laughs> <laughs> when they are mentioned in old texts, they seem kind of like legendary figures who live for a long time and have utopic lives. And so it's likely that Hyperboreans was used to reference real groups of people who lived in the North who had like limited contact with the Greeks. But because contact was so limited, the Greeks were able to mythologize them in that way. And they just became these like monstrous figures. I mean, the Norse people maybe like were large. And so they became these like large monstrous figures over time that lived in a very cold, faraway place. Okay. I it's so funny that that is just all basically inspired by people from Greece not understanding people from more north. And they're like, well, clearly they are the frost giants from Loki. <laughs> yes. I mean, Amazon's same thing. Amazons oh. were most likely just nomadic tribes from Eurasia that let women ride horses and shoot bows. <laughs> yeah. I mean. Pretty cool. Yes. Well, I only want to say nice things about the Hyperboreans or at least their inspiration because my podcasts do quite well in uh, in the northern Europe for whatever reason. Finland and Norway and Denmark. It's because they have the the book gifting thing around the holidays where they exchange books. (gasps) This is in Iceland. They have this. A tradition of exchanging books and then you just sit and you read your books together. That's okay. So they're very well read. That's good. I like that. I think that's good. Yeah. Look, I am enjoying book reading more now. Look how well (laughs) spoken I am. But I wasn't a big reader before, and now, like, I was reading books. I just finished a really solid book on the plane when, not to put any particular airline on blast, but Delta, when uh, the <laughs> the screen wasn't working, I was like, well, time to pop out the old e-reader mm-hmm. and finished a book. And gift-giving books, look, there's some stuff in the works, but I may be gifting a copy of The Milky Way <gasps> to one of my relatives for Christmas because it feels very up their alley. Let's so get I... together. I'll sign it. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Okay figure that out cool we'll talk later yeah anyway (laughs) this is a perfect place we're about halfway through we'll take a quick break here the mithril break and then we'll hear fun things updates with the pod new merchandise what we're doing with the tv show all that kind of stuff and then we'll come back to complete the rest of our myth discussion Hello and welcome to the Mithril Break. I'm coming to you from the Shubio in New York City. He wrote some updates about the podcast. First and foremost, let's talk scheduling just a little bit. As we will discuss later in this episode, and as you may be aware of, the Percy Jackson TV show comes out in nine days. If you're listening to this on the day this episode drops, December 20th is when the Percy Jackson show releases, and the first two episodes come out that first night, and I am very excited about covering it on the podcast. The plan is to take an off week next Monday, so on December 18th, there won't be a full-fledged episode of The Newest Olympian, but there will be another 
little bonus type thing, similar to what I did this past Thursday where I was posting some things that I have been able to get behind the scenes access to as a member of the press. There may or may not be some stuff coming through on the 18th, so stay tuned for that. And then I would just say in general, keep your eye on the TNO feed because we might get a little creative with the release schedule once the TV show comes out and with some of these other things that I may or may not be able to have done. So I would say just wherever you are listening to the podcast, make sure you are subscribed there and you have some sort of notification type thing to let you know when new episodes come out because we might be posting stuff more than just on Mondays. And also, if you want to follow the New Olympian on social media, we're at New Olympian on Twitter and Instagram. We also have a Facebook page where we have our Facebook groups and all of the stuff I post to Instagram auto posts to Facebook as well. Follow us there and you can make sure you don't miss anything, any sort of announcements, whether it's TV show stuff or upcoming live show stuff because there are new tour dates to be announced. And speaking of live shows, we do have our Texas shows coming up in the very near future. We've got shows in Austin, Texas on December 15th, in San Antonio, Texas on December 17th, and Houston, Texas on December 19th. Now you might be wondering, wasn't there supposed to be a Texas live show in Dallas on December 13th? And that was the case, but unfortunately we're going to be postponing the show by a few days for a very last minute but incredibly thematically relevant scheduling conflict. There will be a statement on the TNO social medias about this later today explaining things, and if you've already purchased tickets, just keep an eye on the emails that you used for those purchases for information about the postponement and refunds if you can no longer make the new show date. But beyond those Texas shows, there are Florida shows in Gainesville, Tampa, and Orlando on February 8th, 9th, and 10th. There's a show in Denver on February 18th and a show in Phoenix on February 20th. Tickets to all of those are live at thenewsolympian.com live. And for a future announcement about some shows in the North Carolina area, just uh, check out the TNO social media this coming Friday. I would also like to say thank you to everyone who watched our Sea of Monsters stream, the stream of monsters with all of the fun podcasting friends that I had over. It was a blast. You can still watch it if you join the Patreon at any of the TNO tiers. So demigods and above at the slash Patreon. There is a replay version there that's got the full live chat replay and everything. So you can see the chat's reactions to everything that was going on as well. So it'll feel like you were just there in real time with everybody else watching it. But speaking of the Patreon, I would like to thank the folks who have joined the Patreon most recently. So shout out to our newest God tier patrons. All caps, I joined the Patreon and all I got were cool rewards. Miriam is ready to watch the bad movie. Amy Miller, Calypso. The Ornithologist, Mitch Campbell, and Medusa has a six-pack. And shout out to our newest demigod tier patrons, Random Artist 27, Sabine and Camille, Ray, James Baddock, Sarah Vila, Inga Ramasher, Eileen Craig, that was in all caps, Leoki, Penelpa Hutudu, Mariah Lovegood, Sarah Joanna, Masofuts, Jacqueline Silva, Imagine Matrix, Filix, Ditta, Always Ridiculous, Katie Porter, CC22, Candy Bar, Sophia, Bonnie Josephine, Olivia Waltz, Megan Spakuza, Kat, Summer Peppard, Srishti Chabria, Maddie Willie, Lady Slorp, Don't Walk on My Roof, Nikita Adikari, Son of the Music, Oh My Miles, Chan Mello, Kyle Forges, Caitlin Bennett, Zoe Armstrong, To Lavina, This Is Your Chrissy Pressy, Diagonal Toast, and Bex MTV. You may have noticed that was exactly 50 names. That's because with all the people joining for the stream, we have hit our 50 name per mid-roll break cap. So if you joined recently and you didn't hear your name, you will be in the next episode of TNO. 
And also a name correction for Juliana Haurigi. Thank you all so much for your support. May Aries bless you that when you are playing a competitive video game of sorts that you come out on top. That's a form of friendly battle, right? Yeah, it feels like the god of war would be the patron god for that. So hopefully he helps you destroy all your friends at video games. Now, if you're all caught up on the news Olympian and you're looking for some new content to consume from me, Mike Schuber, maybe you're looking for something that's a little bit different than a podcast. Well, I do a bi-weekly, meaning every other week, stream of Dungeons & Dragons with some other podcast folks called 20 to Midnight. You can watch old episodes on our YouTube page, 20TO Midnight, and it is a Dungeons & Dragons stream where me and the fellow players are trying to save the world in a race against the clock. It is fun because Gabrielle, our DM, does not set it to just one type of fantasy world and incorporates lots of different fantasy worlds that pull from various timelines and stuff and it's a fun wonderful mix and it's very goofy and very silly you can either watch the youtube recordings of our streams or you can go to twitch.tv slash 20 to midnight to watch it everything's on our website 22 midnight.com 20to midnight.com and before we wrap up here you're going to hear words from a few sponsors to make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster some of those ads will be read by me one of those ads that you'll hear by me is from one of our newer sponsors factor so if you like food stay tuned for that but some of the other ads won't be read by me those are inserted locally so if you live in burundi don't be surprised if you hear an ad in kurundi french or english because according to the internet all three languages are spoken there but once those ads are complete we'll get back to this episode of the newest olympian this episode of the newest olympian is brought to you by factor let's say hypothetically that you're mr d you're running the camp there's a bunch of campers running around and you want to make sure your meals are quick because you have a lot to attend to so if you want to have something that still tastes good but doesn't take you a whole bunch of time to prepare, what could you do? You could use Factor. Factor is a way that you can cross meal prepping off your list this holiday season. You can skip meal planning, grocery shopping, chopping, prepping, and cleaning up, and you can get Factor's fresh, never frozen meals delivered directly to your door. They are ready in just two minutes, so all you have to do is heat and enjoy. There are a bunch of meals that you can choose from, and they have a whole bunch of categories such as calorie smart, vegan, veggie, protein plus, and more. I was recently sent a box from Factor, and I can confirm the food is very tasty and very easy to prepare. You can either microwave it or put it in the oven. And some of my favorites were the Caribbean spice tofu with black beans, rice, mango salsa, and coconut jerk sauce. Really tasty. Also, there was a roasted veggie and pesto tortellini with roasted green beans. Oh, man, I love a good tortellini, and this was a good tortellini. If this sounds interesting to you, head to factormeals.com slash olympianstar50 and use code olympianstar50 to get 50% off. That's code olympianstar50 at factormeals.com slash olympianstar50 to get 50% off. So check that out and use Factor because if you're running Camp Half-Blood, you don't have time to do all sorts of meal prep stuff. So treat yourself with Factor today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And we're back. Let's talk about more myths. What's up with Queen Cess, leader of the Dracani? She has a cool name at the very least. Yeah, she does have a cool name. Not a direct mythical counterpart. Oh, so it's just 
Uncle Rick original just firing it off. Yeah, isn't it nice when you see those Fun. out in the wild? Uh, so the Jercana were real. They were part serpent, part human. Most of the ones who are mentioned in myth are women, part women. Mm-hmm. There's some conflation here with the queen of the Scythian Jercana, who also may have been conflated with Echidna, who's the mother of monsters, and Typhon's mate. So I think here that Uncle Rick is drawing this complicated line between Queen Cess and Typhon. Okay, fun. There is this fun myth where uh, she <laughs> Heracles is off doing his labors and she steals some cattle that he has with him, either cattle or horses, and she refuses to give them back until he sleeps with her. Ah. And he does. Ah, yeah. um, and together they start the line of Scythian kings. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I now see why when you said fun, you went, fun. <laughs> fun. <laughs> Yeah, just a good little forced sex that starts a whole line of royalty, Mm -hmm. you know, as you do. As you do in Greek mythology, for sure. (laughs) (laughs) I honestly, I I applaud Rick for taking a corpus of text that is so nasty Mm -hmm. and turning it into something for children. Yeah. (laughs) Because he did a great job with that. It is truly impressive. Things that are... Just all sorts of whether it's very violent or overtly sexual or uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. he finds a way to turn them into children's books. It's just a masterful performance from him. Yeah. Just well done. Well done. Go, Uncle Rick. So something else that Uncle Rick did that was very fun is that we got the Klesmonian sow in the mix. So we had our other pig friend in book three. Now we've got the flying pig friend. So what's up with the Klesmonian sow? There are so many sows and boars and pigs (laughs) in Greek mythology. It really makes you wonder, like, was there a wild pig problem in ancient Greece that they, they were reckoning with in these myths? Because there are some others that are better known in mythology. The Klesmonian sow is real, but Mm -hmm. was not real or popular enough to be in this dictionary of classical mythology that I have here in my hand. Uh, And so I had to go to the internet for this one. And it was just a terrifying flying boar that attacked a town called Klasmenoi. And so it's the Klasmonian sow. Okay. And there we are. I think there was just a wild pig problem in ancient Greece. Okay. And then the winged nature, was that just... Just make it scarier. It's embarrassing to be attacked by a normal wild pig. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) This is me being like tongue in cheek, but also so much of mythology that's not supposed to be pedagogical or explanatory in nature, if it's these monstrous figures, it is based on more mundane things that have been exaggerated over time. Even some of Heracles' labors were likely just a person who diverted a stream away from a town or something, and then that Mm -hmm. became them fighting off a stream serpent monster. Okay, yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm familiar with the Jersey Devil, which was probably just like a goat. Yeah, same thing (laughs) happens. But now it's an evil demon winged goat from New Jersey. Well, give it a couple thousand years and maybe there will be a flying winged goat. Ooh, we'll have to see. So we talked about biology earlier. Mm -hmm. I'm curious about the biology of Cyclopes. Because we have a situation where Tyson shows up and he's 30 feet tall because of some sort of magical thing. But a question that I was wondering about is, like, when do they hit puberty? Is there a time (laughs) at which they grow? Like, when is Tyson going to become too big for us to handle? What's uh, what's going on? (laughs) That's a great question. My inclination was to believe that Tyson was naturally already that 
big, okay. but that something like the mist or, or some magical veil makes it seem like he's more normal sized because uh-huh. there's not really a lot of growing up in Greek mythology. These figures kind of just emerge fully formed. It happened with Aphrodite out of the clamshell. It happened with Athena out of Zeus's forehead. Pegasus and Chrysor just emerging, fully yeah. formed as these weird fraternal twins. And so there's no mention of puberty for these divine figures in Greek mythology. So Uncle Rick definitely just had to make that up. But there are some figures in Greek mythology that appear to be bigger and more monstrous than others. The Cyclops, the Giants. And those, I like wanted to figure out why and, and what's the commonality between them. The giant figures typically are the offspring of the primordial beings like Gaia mm. and Oranos. And the most famous Cyclops in Greek mythology, Polyphemus, is, according to some myths, he was formed when Oranos's, when he was castrated and his blood met. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, I recently read just the first two chapters of Percy Jackson's Greek Gods. Have you heard of that book or no, read that book? No, I think you would absolutely love it. So it was gifted to me by someone who attended the show in Philadelphia, Onyx. And it's like this gorgeously illustrated book where it's all of the stories of the Greek gods, but it's 100% narrated by Percy Jackson, the character. <laughs> So it's just him being like, all right, so here's the deal with Uranus. He was this big sky thing because Gaia was lonely and needed something. Like, it's so, it's very much, I described this in the live show in Paris. I was like, it's as if Percy was told five minutes before, hey, you have to give a presentation on the Greek gods. And then all he could do is like write down some things and then go. It's very fun. I think you would get a huge kick out of it. There's one called Percy Jackson's Greek gods and then one called Percy Jackson's Greek heroes. So one all about like the the gods and the titans and stuff and then one about the actual heroes. I only read the first two chapters for the live show because it is quite lengthy and then also it came out in 2014 mm. so there were some folks warning me that there might be some potential Heroes of Olympus type spoilery things in there but the first two chapters was just like everything with the titans and then everything with like the beginning of the gods and it got into you know Kronos eating all of the <laughs> gods and stuff. I, I only realized when I was reading the book I was like oh Okay, in my brain, he had just like had all of the kids and then one day decided to eat them all in one go. But it was like continual like pregnancy, birth, eat, pregnancy, birth, eat. Do we know how long pregnancy lasts? Like, is it super quick (laughs) or was he like waiting nine months and then being like, time for another snack? (laughs) What's the typical godly gestation period? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but all this is uh, to say, yeah. I did learn about the uh, the dick blood yes. situation. I'm glad from you said Oranos. it. I didn't yeah. want to be the first one to say it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. for anyone unaware, Kronos uh, had to slice up Oranos at the instruction of Gaia so that Kronos could take over because Oranos was being bad and stuff. And mm-hmm. then his dick blood kind of formed lots of things, such as the Furies mm-hmm. and some of the other more monstrous things. Yeah. So I think that's the commonality between all of these really big figures. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Size-wise. Okay. And then that would make sense for Polyphemus because he is so much bigger. So maybe just the other Cyclopes are a little bit taller. Like I've just always imagined Tyson to be like someone who could be in the NBA, you know, someone who's just like seven feet tall. And then maybe the more grown up Cyclopes are like 10 feet tall or something like that. I think that's That's, right. Okay. Cool, 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 cool. Mm -hmm. There are different races of giants. And so there are probably different like tiers or heights. Yeah. All right. But yeah, no, you make a really good point that I don't think I've ever heard of a story of someone like growing up. It's always just like, well, they were a fully formed adult and here we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's Greek retellings are starting to become more popular. I'm thinking like Madeline Miller's Circe, who she also wrote uh, Son of Achilles. Yes, I've heard these are really good. Oh, they're so good, Mike. And she's so good I'm at really like, excited to get into them eventually. Yeah, she's really good at taking the myths and twisting them in a way that feels like it honors the original myths, but it adds in her own flavor. She does this really well. Cool. I like that. All right. Next question I have. In mythology, is there ever an example of a situation similar to what Percy did at the end of book five, where he basically turned down immortality so that he could remain with Annabeth? Is there any sort of situation where the gods are promising something to someone and they go, no, thank you. I have someone I love that I would rather be with. Mm. The gods typically don't promise people things. They typically just do them. So there are yeah, okay. <laughs> there are a lot of instances in mythology where the gods are like, I want that human forever. I'm going to make mm. them immortal. <laughs> But there is one, there is one situation that I could think of where a mortal is offered immortality and rejects it. And it makes total sense. After I thought of it, I was like, oh, of course, it's Odysseus. And he is offered immortality by Calypso because she's held him on her island for so long and she wants to keep him longer. And he says no because he wants to get back to Ithaca and his home. And it made so much sense to me that Odysseus would be the other person because kind of throughout the whole series, Percy has been a parallel for Odysseus. Like the whole Mm -hmm. second book is the Odyssey. Right. That's the only other example I could think of. Okay. Very interesting. All right. Now, the final question that I had sent you is one that is inspired by a fun joke that I have referenced on the pod. Someone mentioning, and I was going to try to find who sent this because I keep forgetting to cite their Instagram username, but we're recording this on November 30th. So yesterday was Spotify rap day. Mm-hmm. So my mentions are beautifully destroyed. <laughs> a lovely destruction of any sort of message that I had going on because everyone's mentioning, which is love. I love it. It's so fantastic. Nice. But The joke that has been made is that Hebe is the goddess of Jeebies. What is Hebe actually? (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Hebe is the goddess of Juvies. Oh, that's so close. Yeah, she's the goddess of youth. um, All right. And also young brides, Mm. which I don't like. Of youth and forgiveness. (laughs) Ah, yay, better. (laughs) But also troubling when associated with young brides. Um, Uh So she's the daughter of Zeus and Hera and is one of the cupbearers to the gods, serving them ambrosia. And she is given to Heracles as his bride when he becomes immortal and starts living on Olympus. And it's kind of like a reconciliation or like an official forgiveness from Hera because she's offering her daughter to Heracles. Okay, okay. Wait, she's offering her daughter to her son? She's offering I'm Zeus is probably the one doing the offering. Zeus is offering yeah, yeah. their daughter to his son. They're half siblings. Yeah, 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 yeah. They yeah. have the same dad. Who's Heracles's mom then? A mortal woman, Alchemini, okay. I think is her name. Okay. Been a minute since I've watched Hercules by Disney. And uh, I don't Not know, accurate uh, at all. I was going to say. <laughs> Not accurate at all. If anyone could hear the eye roll that Dr. Moya just gave. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, definitely not accurate, but it was the first step in my research process for my second book. So I can't mm-hmm. give it too much shade. Look, there's certain things that are amazing. And if all we take away is the wonderful performance of the, who were the, the five singing? Oh, the muses. The muses. Gosh. Like, if there's any takeaway, yeah. it's It's an it's iconic that. representation. Uh, my so second good. book 
is going to be written from the perspective of the Greek muses. So I had to watch that. Yeah, To naturally. see an iconic representation, yeah. I love it. And we'll see whatever happens with your book. But if you get a situation where you can get five incredible women to do the <laughs> audiobook, like five div, like a, a star-studded <sighs> cast, can you... Oh. oh, I would love it. There are nine of them. If you get nine, nine talented women, women or <laughs> a chorus of four nine people women. who can do multiple voices... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I have been man. thinking about the audiobook for this because I read the mm-hmm. Milky Way's audiobook and okay. that was fine because it's one voice, but I want sure. it to be different voices. Yeah. I mean, that'd be fun. Yeah. And it's tough to do lots of different voices. Mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I, I also can't would imagine. Do voices. I can't. I'm not particularly good at them either. I can kind of stumble through accents mm. in terms of like just getting through short form improv games I used to do where you would have to do an accent, but it's not like believable. <laughs> so I can only imagine. I also can only imagine recording an audiobook being really difficult because like the one time I did something similar to that was when I was doing the voiceover stuff for Modern Muckraker, the scripted mm. podcast that I made. And we had like an actual script and I had to read that stuff. And oh man, the self-consciousness where I was just like, nah, I can read this line better. Yeah. Like, I just, it took me forever. I Were was in the booth for so long. I was alone. Oh. Yeah, I feel like a director could have been better, mm-hmm. but I was I was alone in the booth, and I was there for a long time. Mm-hmm. When you're alone, you, can, you will second-guess everything. Mm-hmm. I had a producer on the other side of a glass wall, and she barely said anything, but just having another person there to know when I had really messed something up made me second-guess myself less. It was uh, two days I think I recorded for like six to eight hours a day and I drank a lot of slippery elm tea. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm look always constantly hydrating as I mean, it's always edited out by Sherry. So shout out to Sherry. Shout but th- I'm always drinking water. I got a big 32 ounce sippy water. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always doing that. Have it. And you got to prehydrate anyone trying to podcast. You got you to gotta drink water beforehand so that you don't get all the mouth sounds in the mix. <laughs> you got to get that prehydration see the things we think about for you listeners i don't know i don't know if people realize this and now's a good time to say it the amount of effort that sherry and i put into ensuring that you don't hear mouth sounds <laughs> listen to most other pod i don't want to destroy people because like because then you, once you start hearing it you can't unhear them and i don't know if you also bear this curse where like i'll listen to things and be mm-hmm. like oh i just can't listen to this one because mm-hmm. i can hear like all of the saliva clicking so well, i like this- mouth sounds but oh i'm one okay, of those weirdos okay. it's fine it's fine sure, but sure, i do sure, sure. have very particular taste in host voices. So there are okay. plenty of podcasts mm-hmm. that I can't listen to because I just don't like the voice. Right. Yeah. That's something that I can't work on. And some people are like, wow, you have such a great voice. And I'm like, I did nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't do some people are just vocal blessed, cord Mike. pull-ups. It's nice. Like I'm not going to argue with <laughs> it. I'm, I'm very happy and, and I had no control over it. But something I do have control over is getting rid of mouth sounds and I prehydrate because you have saliva in your mouth when you're dehydrated. So you got to drink water before you record. Can't just do it during. Also, I brush my teeth right before every recording because that also helps. And yeah, mm -hmm. brushing your teeth is a good one. You can also eat sour green apples because it can uh, sort of... Oh, the tartness, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That'll get out some of those saliva things. And then also with the power of editing, Sherry uh, does a lot of things to like hide a little like clicks and stuff like that. I double check them and and do some little tweaks as well. So there's, there's lots of effort that goes into the mouth sound reduction elements of the newest Olympian. So I understand you having to drink a ton of water for audiobook narration as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> well, on that note, we will end our mythology discussion of book five. Dr. Boy, thank you so much for coming through. This was a blast. You. Have you read the Heroes of Olympus books? No, I only read the OG series. Okay. Well, if you want to and you do, we'll have you as our, I guess, Roman mythology correspondent, but if not... Happy to do it. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't study Greek mythology in school. Okay, amazing. Yeah. Well, look, at the very least, we can have you on for myth episodes going forward then. And if you read the Heroes of Olympus books, I'd love to have you on for normal episodes again as well, because it's always a fun time to have you on the show. But if people want to find you doing stuff, where can they find you? There's so many places to find you. So please, shout out the stuff. That is true. I'm doing a lot and in a lot of places. I'm on every social media platform as Go Astro Mo. I have a website, moyamctear.com, where I put everything. But the things you should check out. I have two podcasts. Exolore is about fictional world building. So if you like sci-fi and fantasy, that is for you. Pale Blue Pod is an astronomy podcast for people who are afraid of the universe but still want to be its friend. It's very chill. It's very cozy. And I host a YouTube show for PBS Digital Studios called Fate and Fabled. It's all about mythology. Go check it out. It's so fun. My co-host is Emily Zarka. She's a monster expert. She's incredible. And we're doing a fun thing for season three where we are choosing our fantasy pantheon picks. Ooh. And we're going to build a utopia with our favorite gods and figures from mythologies all over the world. So, like, stay tuned for this whole season. And uh, I have the incredible. Milky Way book. I'm writing book number two. I'm doing a lot. I am happy to hear this because yeah. as fellow doing a lot person, I'm glad that we can, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> connect on the doing of a lot. It's awesome to see all the stuff you're doing. I am delighted to hear about it and honored to have you as a friend and our official mythological correspondent. So, Dr. Moy, thank you so much. You. Really appreciate it. And listeners, thank you all for listening. And until next time, when I believe, I think, is the next episode going to be? The TV show? <sighs> Let me pull up. I know, right? We, we're we here, right? Is it out? It's wild. The TV show comes out December 20th. Okay. This episode comes out December 11th. I believe I'm taking that next week off because I haven't taken a break in a while, but I think I'm going to post like a little tiny bonus thing to the feed, so stay tuned for that. But then, yeah, the 20th is when the show drops, so then Monday, December 25th, Merry Christmas. It's an episode of TNO about <laughs> the TV show, which I am super-duper hyped for. <laughs> so excited. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Anyway, thank you, everyone, for listening, and until that next episode. I'll see you later. Hey there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The News to Olympian. This podcast is created, hosted, and produced by me, Mike Schubert. I also run the social media and the website. Our editor is Sherry Guo. The music is by Bettina Campamandas and Brandon Google, and the art is by Jessica E. Boyd. If you want to be a part of the show's community, you can find us on social media. We're at News Olympian on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. There's also a subreddit, reddit.com slash r slash the News Olympian. And then there's also the Discord that you get access to by joining any tier of the Patreon over at thenewsolympian.com slash Patreon. If you want to get some TNO merch, you can go to thenewsolympian.com slash merch. And if you want to support the show and as a thank you, get access to a whole bunch of bonus content. You can do that at thenewsolympia.com slash Patreon. Speaking of that Patreon, let's give a shout out to our producer level patrons, Kelsey Gillespie, The Dance Team Nuggets, Vicky Garcia, Ellie Hauskovchova, Veronica Bartova, Haley Hastings, Robin Garcia, Frida Vickstrom, Megan Moon, Craig McRoberts, Taylor Payne, Giselle Salvador, Peter Johnson, The Twins, Sabrina Balsiger, Bony Pony, Casey Williams, Polly Burge, Nikki Harris, Tatiana Schmidt, Sandra Rose, Josh Sayre, Josh Wilkie, Abby Ryan, Wise Girl, Ashton Gabrielson, Marco Redhouse, Caden Max, Sam Sam Reby, Riley Kiddas, Mary Kelly, Audra, Mrs. O'Leary, Rodith Kalna, Milo Kim, Harlan Christ, Cece 
23, Sandkoff, Julia Kendall, Emil Oscar Thomason, Liz Cardigan, Sarah Neal, Ricky, John Drillsma, Rila Matthews, Riley Draken, Luna Kadoon, Sky Mallory, Elizabeth Obermiller, Aiden Parziani, Biggest Tyson Fan, Hunter Landstrom, Captain Jack Rackham, Sky Captain and the Princess, King Bastion, One Damn Distraction coming up, Ethan Robinson, Ginger Spurs Boy, Joshua Aid, A Cup of Solace, Meg Roy, Lux, Neil, Will Buchanan, Olivia Kronicki, Mrs. O'Leary's Best Doggo, and Bradimus Prime. If you want to support the show in a non-monetary way, simply talking about the show is so helpful. Word of mouth is huge, so you can tell someone that you know who loves Percy Jackson about the podcast, or you can talk to someone who's looking for an excuse to finally get into the Percy Jackson books about it, or someone who's maybe getting hyped for the TV show that's coming up and they want to understand what's going on, or you could post about the show on social media, or you could leave us a rating and review on whatever podcasting app you're using. All these things really do help. I'm very appreciative to everyone who has already done so and to anyone who will do so in the future. But I'm just so thankful that you tuned into this episode, and I hope you tune into our next episode where I cannot believe I'm saying this, but we will be covering the first episode of the Percy Jackson TV show with Sequoia Simone. But until then, I'll see you later. Hey everyone, how's it going? It's me, ASMR Mick. So I was looking through old voice memos on my phone to see if I had anything fun for the ASMR Mick segment. And apologies if I've posted this one in the past. I don't know that I have, but I have a voice memo on my phone of a car that I was in where the blinker sounded exactly like the background sound that's in that Fergie song that's like, you got me tripping, oh, stumbling, oh, oh. So here it is. It sounds just like that. Right? Right? Am I right? Come on. That's exactly it. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big.